Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. We all having a good morning so far, yeah? Praise God. It's good to see y'all here. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord. Uh, I celebrate you being here. Happy Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. Um, It is the kickoff of Holy Week. Uh, It's the kickoff uh, for us. It's one of the most important weeks of the year as a believer. Uh, It's the year that uh, it's a a unique year in that. Uh, This marks the 75th year since Israel uh, had the, the short war where they became independent and 75 years ago. Uh, Israel became an independent nation. If you know the significance of that, you know it is a very unique year for the body of Christ. And so if you don't know what that means, go study it and get hyped up like the rest of us. Um, can I tell you, uh, the return of the king is near. I said the return of the king is near. And, um, uh, and, and today I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to start a new sermon series today. Uh, about seasons, understanding heaven's timing. Uh, And 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 it fits perfectly after praying uh, the way we've prayed over the last few weeks because when you pray and something doesn't happen, in your timing it can cause frustration, but when you understand heaven's seasons, it builds your faith in your grace tank instead of allowing time uh, and, 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 and maybe God not meeting your need in your time causing frustration we got to understand that heaven deals in seasons, not time. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that today. But before I do, uh, I just want to thank everybody first who came and passed out uh, the Easter meals yesterday. We were able to make an impact. Uh, I mean, just unbelievable impact. And I just want to thank you all for doing that. Uh, we've already had a few testimonies come back, and, and they'll be trickling in. They always do uh, over the, the following week. But I love that this was not like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, we just give out meals. This meal went out with an evangelistic touch on it to lead people to Christ. Uh, And I pray that we never lose the urgency to remind people that uh, heaven is close, hell is real, uh, and there's a Jesus that wants to be with them forever. And so um, uh, with that being said, um, a couple more announcements. Um, This this past Sunday in this service, uh, we had a, a special touch from the Holy Spirit. And I am truly grateful for that. And I and and just to just let you know, I expect more of that. Um, I see that uh, uh, this week, though, uh, I have taken a couple of shots from people because of it. Uh, I, I I'm not one to mince words. If you want somebody to mince words, you may need a different pastor. Uh, but I'm just going to lay this out there for you. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to honor the Holy Ghost, honor the Word of God, and as the Spirit leads, we will move. We will move. Another thing I will encourage you to do is to be careful who you talk to, uh, because it always comes back around. And I want to encourage you that my door is always open to you. If you are ever frustrated or you ever have questions, 
I'm not hard to find. And you can email me, you can call me, you can come to the office and wait till I get there. But I want you to know something. I'm not upset because a few people are upset. I'm upset at the devil. The devil wants to bring any kind of footholds into this church that he can, and we just ain't going to have it. We're not going to have it. And, uh, man, our family has been under attack this week. Uh, it, it, it has been. But you know what? Wendy said it best last night. Uh, she said, our hands have been lifted in victory all week. And you know you're getting close. You know you're getting close to something the devil holds precious when he goes to attacking you the way he's attacking you. And, um, and so I told Wendy, I said, I'm past the point of even praying against the things that are coming against us. I love just going back and attacking the devil straight off. Yeah. Instead of saying, Lord, I've had this uh, uh, stomach issues, had me doubled over for two or three days. I'm, I'm struggling right now as I preach. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't think about that anymore. I'm past that point. I'm past that point. I'm to the point that when I start feeling physical pain, I just begin rebuking the devil. And I begin just praying for people who are lost, for the lost to be found. He wants to stick it to me where it hurts. I'll stick it to him where it hurts. And so we're going to keep loving people. We're going to keep reaching the lost. We're going to keep touching heaven. We're going to keep praising and worshiping the one true living God. And we're not going to stop just because the devil lands a couple of weak blows. You may be like me. You may be here today and you just feel like you're tired because you've taken a couple shots. Can I tell you, be empowered by the Holy Ghost. Be made whole and be refreshed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So for any of the naysayers, hit me up, josh at hopecitycc.com. And uh, we, can, we can hash that out. And you have my word. It will always be done in love for you because I do love you. Uh, but if you're looking for a place that's going to cower to your every word, uh, there's 60-something church in Crestview. This ain't the one. All right. Um, the last announcement. Uh, we are trying to finalize documents for our architect for the Hope Center this week. Yep. That's exciting. That's exciting. Um, we, we've had prices come back. And again, uh, I like to do things out in the open and there's hadn't been a whole lot going on. We've been analyzing prices and looking what we're getting dollar for dollar and trying to analyze everything. And, uh, I want to thank the board. They've been just wonderful in this time. Um, what we're, what we're looking at right now is we had bids all went from 600,000 down to 150,000 just for the architecture pricing. And, um, and we're, we want to be good stewards over everything, compare apples to apples and, uh, and we, we think we've narrowed it down to the right person for the job. And, uh, and we're going to sit in front of the attorney Tuesday one more time, look at the contract, make sure, you know, stewardship is important. Amen. Stewardship is important. Uh, and we're going to be stewards. If we're nothing else, we're going to steward everything. We're going to steward our finances. We're going to steward our faith. We're going to steward the Holy Spirit well. We're going to steward everything the right way. And we're going to be a church that is led by the scriptures and led by the spirit in everything we do. And so we believe we found the right architect, and uh, what's amazing is that she's ready to go. She's ready to draw. She said, the minute you sign the contract, she said, I'll start drafting. And so we are uh, blessed uh, to, to be finalizing that, and just pray that we have the wisdom, and that if there's any doors that need to be closed, just pray they slam closed this week. Because uh, we feel an open door. We're going. We're moving forward. Uh, so just pray God gives us wisdom. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you, man, I'm... I'm excited about the Hope Center, but can I tell you, this place has become a Hope Center. 
any place that you and I get together in his name is a hope center. You heard me? So I'm, I'm just excited about what's going on, but we're not slowing down. Uh, I had a conversation with a guy just yesterday about the banking system. And uh, people telling us about the banking system, you know, man, this ain't time to be doing no big projects. And I said, it's a good thing I'm preaching on God's timing and not earth's timing. <laughs> it's a good thing that the scripture says that with man it may seem impossible. Yes. Yep. But with yep. God. Oh, that ain't even in my sermon. I'm going to have to stop. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let's go on and get into this word today. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, we're going to read verse 1 through 8. Uh, before I get into that, let me just give you kind of a broad synopsis of what this entire series is going to be. How many of you have a watch or a cell phone that keeps time for you? You, you look at your watch. They say we can tell our generation by what they look at first. If we look at our watch, you know, you're my age, you're older. And if you look at your phone, you're my age, you're younger, right? Um, and we all live by time. It's seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, so on and so forth. Heaven does not live by that time. Heaven lives by measurements called seasons. Seasons. When you and I live based on time, we have an expectation that is settled when time says it's settled. If I tell you I'm going to meet you at 11.30 and I'm past 11.35 when I show up, I have not honored our agreement. Heaven is not that way. Heaven deals in seasons. Seasons are finished when the task is accomplished. You need to understand that about seasons. Seasons do not have a date or a time. Let me explain. We have a college football season, right? Depending on the year, sometimes it starts earlier and it finishes later. And if they have add extra teams to the playoffs, somebody give me an amen for that. We'll have an even longer college football season. I'd love it to go year round. I know coach would too. Well, we all would like a longer football season, right? But, but here's what's interesting. That season is finished not based on the time of day. It's finished when that championship game is accomplished. Okay, let me, let me, let me give you a different example. Um, seasons when you are planting and when you are, are sowing and reaping, when you're farming, when you're doing things like this, seasons are very important. Uh, they tell you to plant certain seeds after the last frost, and if someone could ever tell me when that is in Florida, <laughs> you got a prayer life. That's all I'm going to say. You got a prayer life. But they say then that you need to harvest certain things before the first frost. They clearly were not from Florida when they wrote these regulations. See, in Florida, we have seasons, but right now, based on the, on the, on the calendar... It's April 2nd, which should be spring, but if you go outside, we're still in this thing called winter-ish, spring-ish, summer. And you're never in the right outfit for the day. Right? You go outside this morning, freeze to death. By tonight, you are soaked and sweating. You just don't, there's no way to comprehend the season by living in Florida. But there are entire systems that are based on seasons, not time. Right. 
And heaven is one of those systems. It is based on things being accomplished and being brought to completion before the season ends. You see, some of you have asked God to do a work in your life. And you said, well, it's taking so much time. No, 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 listen. Heaven does not work according to your watch. You see, a season has everything to do. Not We're watching the fruit on the trees, right? While heaven is watching the moisture in the air, the sun in the sky, the pH balance in the soil. It's watching which animals uh, come and use the bathroom in those areas so that it can enrich that soil to a deeper level to give you a sweeter fruit. It's watching all these different things. And we as humans are just watching the fruit of our life and we're saying, where's the fruit? And there's this beautiful complexity to the season that heaven's watching. And so I guess what I'm trying to get you to understand before I start teaching on this is that time is not a bad way to measure your life, but it is incredibly anemic. It's incredibly anemic. Time is so much more complex than what our feeble minds give it credit for. God is doing something amazing. I constantly am reminded that he's painting a masterpiece with my life, but I'm worried about one brushstroke at a time because I feel the pressure of that brushstroke and I think, surely this is finished. Surely this is almost over. And then another brushstroke and another brushstroke and another brushstroke. I think, how much longer can I go? And then you step back from your fear of time and you see, That's what he was working on this whole time, this beautiful thing. And so in hindsight is usually the best way to tell seasons because we look back over portions of our life that don't necessarily fit the calendar. They certainly rarely fit our expectation of moments. And we look back and we see that God has been perfect in the precision of his seasons of our life. And so today I'm going to talk to you about understanding uh, heaven's timing. It's done in seasons, not in time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we're going to read verse 1 through verse 8. It says, for everything there is a season. Stop right there. For everything there's a season. Look at your neighbor say everything. Has a season. Okay, it says a time for every activity under heaven. Say time is for under heaven. Time is not for heaven. I want you to see the dichotomy there. It says for everything there's a season, including in heaven. But for everything under heaven, that's where time is applied. Let's flip that. Time does not apply to heaven. Right? Does not apply to heaven. Heaven deals in seasons. I want you to see that. It says there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry, a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve, a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones. A time to gather stones. If you want to really do a crazy cool study, take that verse this week and go tear that bad boy down. It's talking about gathering stones and the Hebrew children as they were going through the wilderness and they continued to go through places that they said, I thought we'd come through here before. God said, start making an altar of my goodness and you'll know where you've been. Uh, it's gathering and scattering stones. It's powerful, powerful. Uh, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search, a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. Time to tear and a time to mend. Time to be quiet and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. How many of y'all were thinking about the song? The song, right? Who sang that song? Who sang that song? Who was it? The Beatles? Did the Beatles sing it? 
I don't know. I only listen to Christian music. I don't know. <laughs> no, I say that, but every time I read it, I remember when I was growing up, you had the, uh, the Time Life records, and you could buy uh, like a greatest hits record from Time Life Music. And they would always show this, um, it is the time of the season, Do-do-do. right? And you could hear that song, and I remember thinking that. And when I first read in the Bible, I thought, oh my gosh, the Bible has taken the lyrics from a song. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty great. The Bible's, you know, using other people's lyrics these days. No problem with that. How many know that the Bible predates any of our music? <laughs> right. So don't be like me. Um, let me give you four characteristics to godly seasons. Four characteristics to godly seasons. Um, number one, seasons are temporary. They do not last forever. Number two, seasons are necessary for development. Number three, seasons are both personal and corporate. They're both personal and corporate. And lastly, God uses seasons to focus his people. Mm -hmm. He uses seasons to focus his people. Um, I went through this a little bit, and I, but I just want to reiterate, because I want you to have this clear understanding. Because once we dive off into this, if you're still thinking about time and seconds and minutes, it, the beauty of this is going to blow right past you. Seasons have no relationship with time. Seasons have no relationship with time. Seasons aren't measurable as much as they are discerned. You have to have discernment to feel. Have you ever felt something? It's like something just feels different today than it did yesterday. I'm stepping into something new today. And nothing looks different from the outside. Something just feels different. Where we really see this, like I said earlier, is in hindsight we look back and we say, wow, was there a shift in my life from this day to this day. That was a unique season in my life. Hindsight is perfect for picking out seasons. But I want to challenge you in this. God wants to give you a vision to where you can see the seasons that not only are you in, but that we are coming into. I'm going to say that again. He wants to give you wisdom and discernment so that you not only understand the season you're in, but that you can begin to notice the seasons that are coming. If you don't believe that, you need to go read about these boys called the sons of Issachar. They were called watchmen on the wall. And they were to go and watch the seasons that were coming. Say, so how do you watch a season that's coming? Go read about it. What you're going to find is that God uses certain people to speak things that are coming to the people of God. And so uh, by the end of this series, my prayer is that you have enough understanding that you can at least identify where you are in your season uh, currently. Uh, one of the biggest times, this is a, a major misunderstanding, uh, misunderstanding. Um, all through the Bible, people misunderstand timing versus seasons, time and seasons. And, and they keep trying to jam them in the same folder. And God's like, when are you going to wake up? Seasons are their own measurement. Time is its own thing. It's man created. It's, it's man ordained. It is not God created, nor is it God ordained. God created seasons. 
Now, you say God also created days because on the seventh day he rested. He created the sun coming up and the sun coming down, right? The day thing and the time thing came later on. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that God looks at a problem and he sees the solution. And the solution is spoken into existence and whatever needs to happen to bring that to pass backfills into existence. Do you see the difference? You and I do it from the other way. We see the problem and we look at our watch and we say, this is going to take days to get this right. And then we begin a system of trial and error until we get the finished product we were looking for. Our ways are different than his ways. And one of the times this is massively misunderstood is on Palm Sunday in Mark chapter 11. And I'm going to read verse 1 through 11. And stay with me because I'm going to read fast. Um, Mark chapter 11, verse 1 through 11. It's talking about Jesus um, riding into Jerusalem uh, on, the, on the back of a colt. Uh, it says, As they approached Jerusalem and they came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. I love the specificity there. He said, You're going to find a donkey nobody's ever ridden on. Uh, he said, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, uh, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. Uh, says, so they went, and they found a colt outside in the street, tied to, at a doorway, and they untied it. And some people standing there said, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to. And the people let them go. Stop right there. Can you imagine... You just need a ride, and there's a BMW on the side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> you just jump in that bad boy, there's keys in it. Like, hey, what are you doing? Jesus said I could borrow it. <laughs> All right, have a good day. What? I, this, I always laugh when I'm reading this. I'm like, these people clearly were not from Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, no, it would have been some problems. Um, but it says that when they brought the cloak, they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks over it. He sat on it. Jesus sat on the colt. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, "Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord!" Now stop right there, just for a second. Notice they're not saying, "Blessed." is the Messiah. They are not acknowledging him as the Messiah. And the next line gives us even a deeper understanding. It says, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. They did not see Christ for who he truly was at this point. They did not see him for who he was. They said, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts, and he looked around at everything. Since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. Man, there's a lot. And for sake of time, uh, I'm just going to give you uh, one or two reasons why uh, they thought this was an earthly king, not a heavenly king. Uh, Zechariah 9.9 is a prophetic statement about uh, the returning king coming on the back of a colt. Uh, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle 
and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is Zechariah 9.9. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 16 gives us more clarity about why a colt was important. God had basically told the kings of Israel, don't keep a lot of horses. Because horses are more of a wartime thing. I want you to live according to peace, which, you know, donkeys and uh, colts and those things. And Deuteronomy 17, 16 is where we see this. It says, The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. So there was a picture of obedience in David's life, King David, that he did not keep many horses. Now, when he handed the baton to Solomon, however, Solomon kicked it into overdrive. Solomon had thousands upon thousands of horses and chariots. He just went completely berserk, went on a spending spree, and just bought all the horses, right? But he did that in disobedience to Deuteronomy 17, 16. So when they saw Jesus riding on a colt and the people that were with him were saying, Hosanna, they kind of sat back for a minute. They thought, where, where have we seen this before? Where, you see, if you go back and you'll, if you'll notice, David's wisdom instructed Solomon to go get on a beast and ride in the same direction Jesus rode. So you're saying, wait a second, there's these telltale signs of, of Christ coming into, there's this man on a donkey, there's a king, there's this, and they start running these parallels and all of a sudden, it hits. This is prophetic. What we are watching take place on the first day of Passover, mind you, which is a beautiful picture. I'll unwrap just a second. They're watching a king return to the throne. And they begin to worship. And they begin to celebrate. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What they didn't realize is what it was the Lord. They fell short in their passion. It's the lineage of King David. They were so excited. You know why? Because in their heart, all their needs had been met. You see, they'd been under the oppression of the Romans for decades. And see... When the Romans took over a town, they, they really took over a town. They, 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 they pressed people. They told you where you could and couldn't go. They told you what you could and couldn't say. Told you what you could eat, told you what you could drink. They were very dominant. And if you messed up, boy, they were savage at correction. I mean, they would, I mean, you do something minor and they'd flog you for it. So the Jews had been under oppression, major oppression for a long time. So when they saw this donkey and this man riding on it, people worshiping, they thought, this is it. Our king has returned to the throne. That's it, you dirty Romans. We're going to rout you out of this town. King David's descendant has returned to the throne. Pack your junk up, Romans. You're out of here. And just imagine walking by the Roman soldier saying, you remember that day you talked a little trash to me? <laughs> Where you at now, champ? 
get ready to rumble. Right? They were all excited. Why? Because their king was back. And see, David was not like ordinary kings. David was a perfect balance of worship and warrior. Worship God in the morning and castrate 200 men before dinner. What? People say, where did you see that at? In the scripture, go read it. This man was a beast. If he turned his eyes on you to take your life, it was over. And they saw David. When they looked at Jesus, they went, the Davidic prophecy has been fulfilled. The seed of David has come back to take our land back for us. So Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Nobody's doing a whole lot day one. Day two, boy, he really kicks it into overdrive. These people thought the warrior king is back. You know why? Because he goes to the temple. They're buying and selling. And he begins to flip over tables. They're like, that's my dog right there. That's my dude. I told y'all he's going to trick off when he got here. I told you he wasn't going to tolerate that foolishness. Right? Jesus, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. And begins to flip over to him. said, that's exactly what David would do. And dude, they're starting to get hyped. They're like, oh, it's on, baby. It's on. Right? Because for so long, they had felt so much pressure. They had begged God to be set free from the Romans so many times. And here was their salvation. Flipping over tables. Oh, it must have felt good. Must have felt good. Day three, nothing really happening. Day four, nothing really happened. Day five, they see him coming through the streets again, but it looks different. Now he's in chains. And the warrior king has been taken captive by the Romans. And they're saying this, this can't be. This can't be. We, we've prayed for decades to be set free and now they got our king in shackles. Jesus, rise up. Let's fight, do something. It was so extreme that when they came to put shackles on Jesus, Peter took out his sword to fight. It's not going down this way, not while I'm standing here. And he took his sword and tried to split the melon of one of the Roman centurions. And the Bible says he missed and cut off his ear. And Jesus said, that's not why I'm here. And he grabs the ear and miraculously puts it back on the Roman soldier. What? This whole time, these full three years, you've been telling me about conquering and overtaking, and now you're just going to let them chain you up? Friday comes. And now, Jesus, carrying the cross through town, stripped practically naked. The Bible says you could barely notice him as a human. He had been abused 
And the Romans said, here's your king. Here's what Rome will do to your king. They said, you know what? He's not quite a king yet because he needs a crown. I said, let's, let's make him a crown. Somebody went into a thorn bush and they fashioned this crown. And it didn't fit just right. I imagine it was a tight fit and he just... <clears throat> <clears throat> With every push, the broken scalp of the king of kings began to flow. Here's your king. You was talking a lot of mess on Monday. Where you at now? What was happening did not match their timing. Because the prophecy said that when a lamb would be chosen that it would happen on the first day of Passover. But by this time in Passover, we will be marking our posts for salvation. We should be being set free by now. Something is wrong in the timeline. As they marched him through town, the same people that threw cloaks at his feet and palm leaves at his feet. <coughs> You're no king. Just another fake. You're a mockery. You shouldn't even call yourself a Jew. Jesus walking through town. Barely able to go. Couldn't even finish the walk. Beaten down that bad. They nailed his hands to a crucifix. And they nailed his feet to the cross. Everybody's watching their watch. They said he didn't have much time now. They said even the toughest ones only last a few hours. I thought it would be different this time. This one had a lot of promise. Man, if you would have saw him in the temple, you would have thought, this is the Messiah. You would have thought, this is the one. This is the Savior King, but... Yeah. It's coming to the third hour. It was fun while it lasted, though. I had a little hope while, we, while it lasted. And it says, most turned and walked away. And so many of us get to that point where we have asked God for something. And when it doesn't happen because we're watching our time, we say, that's okay. I, I really had faith in you. I wanted to believe you. But you forget, heaven does not operate on time. It operates on seasons. And there had been a season since Abraham called the blood covenant. The season of the blood, the scripture calls it. And Jesus 
was watching seasons, not time. And so when they nailed him to the cross, notice when he died, he did not say it's time. He said, it is finished. (laughs) He wasn't watching his clock. He was watching the seasons of heaven. He said, the season that sin will overtake my people is over. He said, Jerusalem, don't weep for me. I weep for you. Your sins will be forgiven you now. Your eternity is secure now. You were looking for a king to fight the Romans. He said, I have defeated death, hell, and the grave forever. Baby, you was watching the watch, but I was watching the seasons. It's imperative that you understand this as a believer. So many people that day are just like people today. God, I really need this. If I don't get this, you don't have a clue what's going to happen. If this doesn't happen, do you realize I could lose everything if I don't get this? God, do you realize if I'm not healed, I'm going to lose my mind. I've been hurting so long. I'm tired of hurting See, while you're watching, looking for the fruit, God is stirring the soil of earth and he's putting the right people in right places. He's putting the right people through medical school to create the right provision, to create the right medicine, to create the right procedure, to create the right time so that at the exact moment you're in the operating room giving glory to God when an atheist doctor is trying to operate on you and he says, Why would you give glory to a God that's not even here? And you say, oh, he is here. I've been praying for this for years. You say, and then nothing happened. That doctor goes home at night to an emptiness and a hollowness. And that night he remembers that one patient that began to give a God glory for something that he thought he did. And he's discombobulated. He can't figure it out. He begins to ask the right questions about eternity. You have just begun to see what watching seasons will do versus watching time. Seasons are not based on time. Seasons are based on the completion of the work God has begun. Amen. Stand up on your feet. I want to pray for you. Yeah. Palm Sunday, baby. Palm Sunday. This week, the Holy Spirit has been so tangible. I was studying this week, and as they were watching Jesus, I'll never, you'll never get me to see this any other way. They were going to this place called the Upper Room. The Upper Room. It's the same upper room where the Last Supper took place as well as uh, Acts chapter 2, outpouring took place. Same room. Do you know what's downstairs in that building? It's the tomb of David. 
Go look it up. It's where the buried body of King David is. It's almost as if Jesus knew what people would think. Oh, this is another Davidic king. Jesus said, no, I'm ranked a little higher. I just got a little edge on David. I just see things a little different than David. I'm coming for bigger purposes than David. David came, he had a good reign, but my reign will never end. Church, I'm going to tell you, I could, I could go off on that fact today. But I want you to understand, Palm Sunday should remind us that God is always working on our behalf. I don't know what you're believing him for. Some of you I do because you put on your connection cards. I'm grateful for that and I pray for you. But for the rest of you, I, I don't know what you're praying for. But I can promise you this. If you have even spoken in prayer one time, heaven has begun the wheels of destiny moving on your behalf. And it may not seem like it. You may not feel it. You may not see it. But I promise you this. As God is God, he is moving on your behalf. And you need to trust him. Look at the season, not the clock. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that there's a time for everything under heaven. Oh, but there's a season for everything. Thank you, Lord. Would you give us wisdom today? Give us wisdom so that we can see past the limitations of the time that regulate earth. Give us wisdom to understand that there's a much bigger hand at play here. There's a much bigger picture, and that picture is called the kingdom. And Lord, as we begin to operate, begin to function according to the kingdom, Lord, we'll look at our watches less and less. Because it's not about the time, it's about the season. Lord, so many people in here have asked you to move on their behalf, and here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to reveal to them where they are in that season. Let them see where they are in that season. What are you working in and out of us for us to go where you've called us to go? What is it that you're correcting in us so that we can step into what we ask for? Whew, that's a scary prayer. But answer it for us anyway. <laughs> yeah. Give us that wisdom. And Lord, give us peace and discernment so that when we begin to look at what we've asked for, that we don't see it through a selfish, immature believer's eye, but that we see it through the eye that you would have us see, which is a kingdom-focused eye, that there's millions who still need to come to Christ. So, Lord, if it means that we have to suffer a little longer, I'm okay with that. Because I know in my eternity, I'm already whole. I know in my eternity, there is no pain. I know in my eternity, there is no weeping or sorrow. So, Lord, give me wisdom now to understand that you have a timing that's better than my timing. Your way is better than my way. I'll trust you in that. Even if it means a not yet, I'm okay with it.
Because I understand you don't work by clock. You work according to the seasons. So Lord, in conclusion, just bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace, both now and forevermore. Cover us with the precious blood of Jesus. From the top of our heads to the soles of our feet, I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper, not even our own clocks. <laughs> Bring us back next week with more understanding and more understanding of who you are and how you function and operate. More understanding of the seasons. Yeah, we'll be grateful for that. And bring us back with more wisdom and more of your word locked away in our heart. We thank you for it and we give you praise. In Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Happy Palm Sunday, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.